Chapter 9 of A Century of Negro Migration. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. A Century of Negro Migration by Carter Woodson. Chapter Number 9 The Exodus During the World War. Within the last two years, there has been a steady stream of Negroes into the North in such large numbers as to overshadow in its results all other movements of the kind in the united states these negroes have come largely from alabama tennessee florida georgia virginia north carolina kentucky south carolina arkansas and mississippi the given causes of this migration are numerous and complicated some untruths centering around this exodus have not been unlike those of other migrations again we hear that the negroes are being brought north to fight organized labor and to carry doubtful states for the republicans these numerous explanations themselves however give rise to doubt as to the fundamental cause why then should the negroes leave the south it has often been spoken of as the best place for them there it is said they have made unusual strides forward the progress of the negroes in the south however has in no sense been general although the land owned by negroes in the country and the property of thrifty persons of their race in urban communities may be extensive in most parts of the south the negroes are still unable to become landowners or successful businessmen conditions and customs have reserved these spheres for the whites generally speaking the negroes are still dependent on the white people for food and shelter although not exactly slaves they are yet attached to the white people as tenants servants or dependents accepting this as their lot they have been content to wear their lord's cast-off clothing and live in his ramshackled barn or cellar in this unhappy state so many have settled down losing all ambition to attain a higher station the world has gone on but in their sequestered sphere progress has passed them by what then is the cause there have been bulldozing terrorism maltreatment and what not of persecution but the negroes have not in large numbers wandered away from the land of their birth what the migrants themselves think about it goes to the very heart of the trouble some say that they left the south on account of injustice in the courts unrest lack of privileges denial of the right to vote bad treatment oppression segregation or lynching others say that they left to find employment to secure better wages better school facilities and better opportunities to toil upward southern white newspapers unaccustomed to give the negroes any mention but that of criminals have said that the negroes are going north because they have not had a fair chance in the south and that if they are to be retained there the attitude of the whites toward them must be changed professor william o scroggs of louisiana state university considers as causes of this exodus the relatively low wages paid farm labor an unsatisfactory tenant or crop sharing system the bow weevil the crop failure of nineteen sixteen lynching disfranchisement segregation poor schools and the monotony isolation and drudgery of farm life professor scroggs however is wrong in thinking that the persecution of the blacks 
has little to do with the migration for the reason that during these years when the treatment of the negroes is decidedly better they are leaving the south this does not mean that they would not have left before if they had had economic opportunities in the north it is highly probable that the negroes would not be leaving the south today if they were treated as men although there might be numerous opportunities for economic improvement in the north the immediate cause of this movement was the suffering due to the floods aggravated by the depredations of the boll weevil although generally mindful of our welfare the united states government has not been as ready to build levies against a natural enemy to property as it has been to provide fortifications for warfare it has been necessary for local communities and state governments to tax themselves to maintain them the national government however has appropriate to the purpose of facilitating inland navigation certain sums which have been used in doing this work especially in the mississippi valley there are now one thousand five hundred and thirty eight miles of levees on both sides of the mississippi from cape gerardot to the passes these levees of course are still inadequate to the security of the planters against these inundations carrying four hundred and six million tons of mud a year the river becomes a dangerous stream subject to change abandoning its old bed to cut for itself a new channel transferring property from one state to another isolating cities and leaving once useful levees marooned in the landscape like old indian mounds or overgrown entrenchments this valley has therefore been frequently visited with disasters which have often set the population in motion the first disastrous floods came in eighteen fifty eight and eighteen fifty nine breaking many of the levees the destruction of which was practically completed by the floods of eighteen sixty five and eighteen sixty nine there is an annual rise in the stream but since eighteen seventy four this river system has fourteen times devastated large areas of this section with destructive floods the property in this district depreciated in value to the extent of about four hundred millions in ten years farmers from this section therefore have at times moved west with foreigners to take up public lands the other disturbing factor in this situation was the boll weevil an interloper from mexico in eighteen ninety two the boll weevil is an insect about one-fourth of an inch in length varying from one-eighth to one-third of an inch with a breadth of about one-third of the length when it first emerges it is yellowish then becomes grayish-brown and finally assumes a black shade it breeds on no other plant than cotton and feeds on the boll this little animal at first attacked the cotton crop in texas it was not thought that it would extend its work into the heart of the south so as to become of national consequence but it has at the rate of forty to one hundred sixty miles annually invaded all the cotton district except that of the carolinas and virginia the damage it does varies according to the rainfall and the harshness of the winter increasing with the former and decreasing with the latter at times the damage has been to the extent of a loss of fifty per cent of the crop estimated at four hundred thousand bales of cotton annually about four million five hundred thousand bales since the invasion or two hundred and fifty million dollars worth of cotton 
the output of the south being thus cut off the planter has less income to provide supplies for his black tenants and the prospects for future production being dark merchants accustomed to give them credit have to refuse this of course means financial depression for the south is a borrowing section and any limitation to credit there blocks the wheels of industry it was fortunate for the negro laborers in this district that there was then a demand for labor in the north when this condition began to obtain the demand was made possible by the cutting off of european immigration by the world war which thereby rendered this hitherto uncongenial section an inviting field for the negro the negroes have made some progress in the north during the last fifty years but despite their achievements they have been so handicapped by race prejudice and proscribed by trades unions that the uplift of the race by economic methods has been impossible the european immigrants have hitherto excluded the negroes even from the menial positions in the midst of the drudgery left for them the blacks have often heretofore been debased to the status of dependents and paupers scattered through the north too in such small numbers they have been unable to unite for social betterment and mutual improvement and naturally too weak to force the community to respect their wishes as could be done by a large group with some political or economic power at present however negro laborers who once went from city to city seeking such employment as trades unions left to them can work even as skilled laborers throughout the north women of color formerly excluded from domestic service by foreign maids are now in demand many mills and factories which negroes were prohibited from entering a few years ago are now bidding for their labor railroads cannot find help to keep their property in repair contractors fall short of their plans for failure to hold mechanics drawn into the industrial boom and the united states government has had to advertise for men to hasten the preparation for war men from afar went south to tell the negroes of a way to escape to a more congenial place blacks long since unaccustomed to venture a few miles from home at once had visions of a promised land just a few hundred miles away some were told of the chance to amass fabulous riches some of the opportunities for education and some of the hospitality of the places of amusement and recreation in the north the migrants then were soon on their way railway stations became conspicuous with the presence of negro tourists the trains were crowded to full capacity and the streets of northern cities were soon congested with black laborers seeking to realize their dreams in the land of unusual opportunity employment agencies recently multiplied to meet the demand for labor find themselves unable to cope with the situation and agents sent into the south to induce the blacks by offers of free transportation and high wages to go north have found it impossible to supply the demand in centers where once toiled the poles the italians and the greeks formerly preferred to the negroes in other words the present migration differs from others in that the negro has opportunity awaiting him in the north whereas formerly it was necessary for him to make a place for himself upon arrival among enemies the proportion of those returning to the south therefore will be inconsiderable becoming alarmed at the immensity of this movement the south has undertaken to check it 
to frighten negroes from the north southern newspapers are carefully circulating reports that many of them are returning to their native land because of unexpected hardships but having failed in this southerners have compelled employment agents to cease operations there arrested suspected employers and to prevent the departure of the negroes imprisoned on false charges those who appear at stations to leave for the north this procedure could not long be effective for by the more legal and clandestine methods of railway passenger agents the work has gone forward some southern communities have therefore advocated drastic legislation against labor agents as was suggested in louisiana in 1914 when by operation of the underward tariff law the negroes thrown out of employment in the sugar district migrated to the cotton plantations one should not however get the impression that the majority of the negroes are leaving the south eager as these negroes seem to go there is no unanimity of opinion as to whether migration is the best policy the sycophant toady class of negroes naturally advised the blacks to remain in the south to serve their white neighbors the radical protagonists of the equal rights for all element urged them to come north by all means then there are the thinking negroes who are still further divided both divisions of this element have the interests of the race at heart but they are unable to agree as to exactly what the blacks would now do thinking that the present war will soon be over and that consequently the immigration of foreigners into this country will again set in and force out of employment thousands of negroes who have migrated to the north some of the most representative negroes are advising their fellows to remain where they are the most serious objection to this transplantation is that it means for the negroes a loss of land the rapid acquisition of which has long been pointed to as the best evidence of the ability of the blacks to rise in the economic world so many negroes who have by dint of energy purchased small farms yielding an increasing income from year to year are now disposing of them at nominal prices to come north to work for wages looking beyond the war however and thinking too that the depopulation of europe during this upheaval will render immigration from that quarter for some years an impossibility other thinkers urge the negroes to continue their migration to the north where the race may be found in sufficiently large numbers to wield economic and political power great as is the dearth of labor in the south moreover the negro exodus has not as yet caused such a depression as to unite the whites in inducing the blacks to remain in that section in the first place the south has not yet felt the worst effects of this economic upheaval as that part of the country has been unusually aided by the millions which the united states government is daily spending there moreover the poor whites are anxious to see the exodus of their competitors in the field of labor this leaves the capitalists at their mercy and in keeping with their domineering attitude they will be able to handle the labor situation as they desire as an evidence of this fact we need but note the continuation of mob rule and lynching in the south despite the preachings against it of the organs of thought which heretofore winked at it this terrorism has gone to an unexpected extent negro farmers have been threatened with bodily injury unless they leave certain parts the southerner of aristocratic bearing will say 
that only the shiftless poor whites terrorized the negroes this may be so but the truth offers little consolation when we observe that most white people in the south are of this class and the tendency of this element to put their children to work before they secure much education does not indicate that the south will soon experience the general enlightenment necessary to exterminate these survivals of barbarism unless the upper classes of the whites can bring the mob around to their way of thinking that the persecution of the negro is prejudicial to the interests of all it is not likely that mob rule will soon cease and the migration to this extent will be promoted rather than retarded it is unfortunate for the south that the growing consciousness of the negroes has culminated at the very time they are most needed finally heeding the advice of agricultural experts to reconstruct its agricultural system the south has learned in the school of bitter experience to depart from the plan of producing the single cotton crop it is now raising foodstuffs to make that section self-supporting without reducing the usual output of cotton with the increasing production in the south therefore more labor is needed just at the very time it is being drawn to the centers in the north the north being an industrial and commercial sector has usually attracted the immigrants who will never fit into the economic system in the south because they will not accept the treatment given negroes the south therefore is now losing the only labor which it can ever use under present conditions where these negroes are going is still more interesting the exodus to the west was mainly directed to kansas and neighboring states the migration to the southwest centered in oklahoma and texas pioneering negro workers drifted into the industrial district of the appalachian highland during the eighties and nineties and the infiltration of the discontented talented tenth affected largely the cities of the north but now we are told that at the very time the mining districts of the north and west are being filled with blacks the western planters are supplying their farms with them and that into some cities have gone sufficient skilled and unskilled negroes to increase the black population more than one hundred per cent places in the north where the black population has not only not increased but even decreased in recent years are now receiving a steady influx of negroes in fact this is a nationwide migration affecting all parts and all conditions students of social problems are now wondering whether the negro can be adjusted in the north many perplexing problems must arise this movement will produce results not unlike those already mentioned in the discussion of other migrations some of which we have evidence of today there will be an increase in race prejudice leading in some communities to actual outbreaks as in chester and youngstown and probably to massacres like that of east st louis in which participated not only well-known citizens but the local officers and the state militia the negroes in the north are in competition with white men who consider them not only strike-breakers but a sort of inferior individuals unworthy of the consideration which white men deserve and this condition obtains even where negroes have been admitted to the trade unions negroes in seeking new homes in the north moreover invade residential districts hitherto exclusively white there they encounter prejudice and persecution until most whites thus disturbed move out determined to do whatever they can to prevent their race from suffering from further depreciation of property 
and the disturbance of their community life lawlessness has fallen showing that violence may under certain conditions develop among some classes anywhere rather than reserve itself for vigilance committees of primitive communities it has brought out too another aspect of lawlessness in that it breaks out in the north where the numbers of negroes are still too small to serve as an excuse for the terrorism and lynching considered necessary in the south to keep the negroes down the maltreatment of the negroes will be nationalized by this exodus the poor whites of both sections will strike at this race long stigmatized by servitude but now demanding economic equality race prejudice the fatal weakness of the americans will not so soon abate although there will be advocates of fraternity equality and liberty required to reconstruct our government and rebuild our civilization in conformity with the demands of modern efficiency by placing every man regardless of his color wherever he may do the greatest good to the greatest number the negroes however are doubtless going to the north in sufficiently large numbers to make themselves felt if this migration falls short of establishing in that section negro colonies large enough to wield economic and political power their state in the end will not be any better than that of the negroes already there it is to these large numbers alone that we must look for an agent to counteract the development of race feeling into riots in large numbers the blacks will be able to strike for better wages or concessions due a rising laboring class and they will have enough votes to defeat for re-election those officers who wink at mob violence or treat negroes as persons beyond the pale of the law the negro in the north however will get little out of the harvest if like the blacks of reconstruction days they unwisely concentrate their efforts on solving all of their problems by electing men of their race as local officers or by sending a few members even to congress as is likely in new york philadelphia and chicago within the next generation the negroes have had representatives in congress before but they were put out because their constituency was uneconomic and politically impossible there was nothing but the mere letter of the law behind the reconstruction negro officeholder and the thus forced political recognition against public opinion could not last any longer than natural forces for some time thrown out of gear by unnatural causes could resume the usual line of procedure it would be of no advantage to the negro race today to send to congress forty negro representatives on the pro rata basis of numbers especially if they happen not to be exceptionally well qualified they would remain in congress only so long as the american white people could devise some plan for eliminating them as they did during the reconstruction period near as the world has approached real democracy history gives no record of a permanent government conducted on this basis interests have always been stronger than numbers the negroes in the north therefore should not on the eve of the economic revolution follow the advice of their misguided and misleading race leaders who are diverting their attention from their actual welfare to a specialization in politics to concentrate their efforts on electing a few negroes to office wherever the blacks are found in the majority would exhibit the narrowness of their oppressors it would be as unwise as the policy of the republican party of setting aside a few insignificant positions 
like that of recorder of deeds register of the treasury and auditor of the navy as segregated jobs for negroes such positions have furnished a nucleus for the large worthless office-seeking class of negroes in washington who have established the going of the people of the city toward pretense and sham the negro should support representative men of any color or party if they stand for a square deal and equal rights for all the new negroes in the north therefore will as so many of their race in new york philadelphia and chicago are now doing ally themselves with those men who are fair-minded and considerate of the man far down and seek to embrace their many opportunities for economic progress a foundation for political recognition upon which the race must learn to build every race in the universe must aspire to becoming a factor in politics but history shows that there is no short route to such success like other despised races beset with the prejudice and militant opposition of self-styled superiors the negroes must increase their industrial efficiency improve their opportunities to make a living develop the home church and school and contribute to art literature science and philosophy to clear the way to that political freedom of which they cannot be deprived the entire country will be benefited by this upheaval it will be helpful even to the south the decrease in the black population in those communities where the negroes outnumber the whites will remove the fear of negro domination one of the causes of the backwardness of the south and its peculiar civilization many of the expensive precautions which the southern people have taken to keep the negroes down much of the terrorism incited to restrain the blacks from self-assertion will no longer be considered necessary for having the excess in numbers on their side the whites will fondly rest assured that the negroes may be encouraged without any apprehension that they may develop enough power to subjugate or embarrass their former masters the negroes too are very much in demand in the south and the intelligent whites will gladly give them larger opportunities to attach them to that section knowing that the blacks once conscious of their power to move freely throughout the country wherever they may improve their condition will never endure hardships like those formerly inflicted upon the race the south is already learning that the negro is the most desirable laborer for that section that the persecution of negroes not only drives them out but makes the employment of labor such a problem that the south will not be an attractive section for capital it will therefore be considered the duty of businessmen to secure protection to the negroes lest their ill-treatment force them to migrate to the extent of bringing about a stagnation of their business the exodus has driven home the truth that the prosperity of the south is at the mercy of the negro dependent on cheap labor which the bulldozing whites will not readily furnish the wealthy southerners must finally reach the position of regarding themselves and the negroes as having a community of interests which each must promote nature itself in those states douglas said came to the rescue of the negro he had labor the south wanted it and must have it or perish since he was free he could then give it or withhold it use it where he was or take it elsewhere as he pleased his labor made him a slave and his labor could if he would make him free comfortable and independent it is more to him than either fire sword ballot boxes or bayonets 
it touches the heart of the south through its pocket knowing that the negro has this silent weapon to be used against his employer or the community the south is already giving the race better educational facilities better railway accommodations and will eventually if the advocacy of certain southern newspapers be heeded grant them political privileges wages in the south therefore have risen even in the extreme southwestern states where there is an opportunity to import mexican labor reduced to this extremity the southern aristocrats have begun to lose some of their race prejudice which has not hitherto yielded to reason or philanthropy southern men are telling their neighbors that their section must abandon the policy of treating the negroes as a problem and construct a program for recognition rather than for repression meetings are therefore being held to find out what the negro wants and what may be done to keep them contented they are told that the negro must be elevated not exploited that to make the south what it must needs be the cooperation of all is needed to train and equip the men of all races for efficiency the aim of all then must be to reform or get rid of the unfair proprietors who do not give their tenants a fair division of the returns from their labor to this end the best whites and blacks are urged to come together to find a working basis for a systematic effort in the interest of all to say that either the north or the south can easily become adjusted to this change is entirely too sanguine the north will have a problem the negroes in the northern cities will have much more to contend with than when settled in the rural districts or small urban centers forced by restrictions of real estate men into congested districts there has appeared the tendency toward further segregation they are denied social contact are sagaciously separated from the whites in public places of amusement and are clandestinely segregated in public schools in spite of the law to the contrary as a consequence the negro migrant often finds himself with less friends than he formerly had the northern man who once denounced the south on account of its maltreatment of the blacks gradually grows silent when a negro is brought next door there comes with a movement therefore the difficult problem of housing where then must the migrants go they are not wanted by the whites and are treated with contempt by the native blacks of the northern cities who consider their brethren from the south too criminal and too vicious to be tolerated in the average progressive city there has hitherto fore been a certain increase in the number of houses through natural growth but owing to the high cost of materials high wages increasing taxation and the inclination to invest money in enterprises growing out of the war fewer houses are now being built although negroes are pouring into these centers as a steady stream the usual negro quarters in northern centers of this sort have been filled up and the overflow of the black population scattered throughout the city among white people old warehouses storerooms churches railroad cars and tents have been used to meet these demands a large percent of these negroes are located in rooming houses or tenements for several families the majority of them cannot find individual rooms many are crowded into the same room therefore and too many into the same bed sometimes as many as four and five sleep in one bed and that may be placed in the basement dining room or kitchen where there is neither adequate light nor air 
in some cases men who work during the night sleep by day in beds used by others during the night some of their homes have no water inside and have toilets on the outside without sewerage connections the cooking is often done by coal or wood stoves or kerosene lamps yet the rent runs high although the houses are generally out of repair and in some cases have been condemned by the municipality the unsanitary conditions in which many of the blacks are compelled to live are in violation of municipal ordinances furthermore because of the indiscriminate employment by labor agents and the dearth of labor requiring the acceptance of almost all sorts of men some disorderly and worthless negroes have been brought into the north on the whole however these migrants are not lazy shiftless and desperate as some predicted that they would be they generally attend church save their money and send a part of their savings regularly to their families they do not belong to the class going north in quest of whiskey mr abraham epstein who has written a valuable pamphlet setting forth his researches in pittsburgh states that the migrants of that city do not generally imbibe and most of those who do take beer only out of four hundred and seventy persons to whom he propounded this question two hundred and ten or forty four per cent of them were total abstainers seventy per cent of those having families do not drink at all with this congestion however have come serious difficulties crowded conditions give rise to vice crime and disease the prevalence of vice has not been the rule but tendencies which better conditions in the south restrain from developing have under these undesirable conditions been given an opportunity to grow there is therefore a tendency toward the crowding of dives assembling on the corners of streets and the commission of petty offences which crowd them into the police courts one finds also sometimes a congestion in houses of dissipation and the carrying of concealed weapons law-abiding on the whole however they have not experienced a wave of crime the chief offences are those resulting from the saloons and denizens of vice which are furnished by the community itself disease has been one of their worst enemies but reports on their health have been exaggerated on account of the sudden change of the negroes from one climate to another and the hardships of more unrelenting toil many of them have been unable to resist pneumonia bronchitis and tuberculosis churches rescue missions and the national league on urban conditions among negroes have offered relief in some of these cases the last name organization is serving in large cities as a sort of clearing-house for such activities and as means of interpreting one race to the other it has now eighteen branches in cities to which this migration has been directed through a local worker these migrants are approached properly placed and supervised until they can adjust themselves to the community without apparent embarrassment either race the league has been able to handle the migrants arriving by extending the work so as to know their movements beforehand the occupations in which these people engage will throw further light on their situation about ninety per cent of them do unskilled labor only ten per cent of them do semi-skilled or skilled labor they serve as common laborers puddlers mold setters painters carpenters bricklayers cement workers and machinists what the negroes need then is that sort of freedom which carries with it industrial opportunity and social justice 
this they cannot attain until they be permitted to enter the higher pursuits of labor two reasons are given for failure to enter these first that negro labor is unstable and inefficient and second that white men will protest organized labor however has done nothing to help the blacks yet it is a fact that accustomed to the easy-going toil of the plantation the blacks have not shown the same efficiency as that of the whites some employers report however that they are glad to have them because they are more individualistic and do not like to group but it is not true that colored labor cannot be organized the blacks have merely been neglected by organized labor wherever they have had the opportunity to do so they have organized and stood for their rights like men the trouble is that the trade unions are generally antagonistic to negroes although they are now accepting the blacks in self-defense the policy of excluding negroes from these bodies is made effective by an evasive procedure despite the fact that the constitutions of many of them specifically provide that there shall be no discrimination on account of race or color because of this tendency some of the representatives of trade unions have asked why negroes do not organize unions of their own this the negroes have generally failed to do thinking that they would not be recognized by the american federation of labor and knowing too that what their union would have to contend with in the economic world would be diametrically opposed to the wishes of the men from whom they would have to seek recognition organized labor moreover is opposed to the powerful capitalists the only real friends the negroes have in the north to furnish them food and shelter while their lives are often being sought by union members steps toward organizing negro labor have been made in various northern cities during nineteen seventeen and nineteen eighteen the objective of this movement for the present however is largely that of employment eventually the negro migrants will no doubt without much difficulty establish themselves among law-abiding and industrious people of the north where they will receive assistance many persons now see in this shifting of the negro population the dawn of a new day not in making the negro numerically dominant anywhere to obtain political power but to secure for him freedom of movement from section to section as a competitor in the industrial world they also observe that while there may be an increase of race prejudice in the north the same will in that proportion decrease in the south thus balancing the equation while giving the negro his best chance in the economic world out of which he must emerge a real man with power to secure his rights as an american citizen end of chapter nine the exodus during the world war End of a Century of Negro Migration by Carter Woodson